back in the New Testament times, there was this thing going around that the rapture already happened, and actually that it had already taken place. And in First and Second Thessalonians, the Thessalonian believers were very confused, and they were like, "We miss, we must have missed the rapture or the catching away of the church." And so Paul writes in First Thessalonians and in Second Thessalonians on matter of fact, every single chapter in First Thessalonians. Has, says at least one thing about the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. And 2 Thessalonians is right, written right after 1 Thessalonians and describes the catching away of the church. So the scriptures are about 30 to 33% prophecy. There's still a lot of scripture yet to remain, but I can tell you the next prophetic event on the calendar according to the word of God is the end of the church age and the catching away of the church going into a seven-year marriage supper of the Lamb of God. And we're going to show, I'm going to show you that in the scripture, and then I'm going to show you what you need to do because there's people coming up to me all the time, church people, other people, even unsaved people. What do we do? Do we start hoarding up some food? Do we start getting prepared? What do we do? The scriptures today are going to show you not only what to do, but how to do it. Amen? How many would like to know that in these days? Well, I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you in the beginning. So we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians then. So if I could have uh, 1 Thessalonians put up on the board, I believe I have that on the board, or have them going to put that on the board for you. By the way, let me quickly go through some things with you. There's four blood moons. You know, ever, Anybody hear, heard of that before? The four blood moons. Um, the fourth blood moon is September the 28th. Um, this happened ten times in history since 1 A.D., since Jesus was born, it actually happened that year. And it happened three times since 1492. What happened in 1492? Columbus came over and discovered a new promised land, but also the Jews and Christians were being persecuted. Did you ever hear the Spanish Inquisition? There was persecution happening all over the world. It began in Spain, basically, to wipe out all the Jews and all the Christians. So in that year, there was a four-blood moon. The next time there was a four-blood moon was in 1948-49. What happened in 1948 and 49? Israel was born as a nation in that year. That was the next blood moon. Again, there was three blood moons since the, prior to this one that we're in now, of there's, where there's four on the feast days. The third one was in 1967-68, and I'm saying 67-68 because the Jewish calendar is a little different than our Gregorian calendar. What happened in 1967? Jerusalem became part of Israel again in that year. Um, Do these blood moons signify something? Maybe. Um, It depends. I would say that God's always signifying something. Nothing that happens in the earth and nothing that happens in the heavens is by accident. So is, is there a sign in all this? Sure. Do we look like, hey, we're going to go right now? Nobody knows the day or hour. But I'm going to tell you that as the signs begin to mount up and come together, um, the Thessalonians thought the same thing. What are we supposed to do? Oh, no, we, we've missed it. We've missed it. Here's what the Word of God says for them to do. So I'm going to read in First Thessalonians, beginning in chapter 5, verse 1 through, I will go through probably 11 or 12, but but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write unto you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so 
so comes as a thief in the night. So it's going to come kind of suddenly on them. For when they say peace and safety, and sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Go on to the next group of verses. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So are the, is the church in darkness during these end times? And that's what we're going to talk about. You're not in darkness. We're in the light. Amen. As a matter of fact, the fire of the Holy Spirit is going to burn within you so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. The church should not be overtaken as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day, and we are not of the night or darkness. Let's go on to the next verse, group of verses. Therefore, let us not sleep. Now remember that word sleep because I'm going to use it later. As others, but watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep in the night. And those who are drunk, are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love and the helmet of hope, of salvation. For God did not appoint us to what? Wrath. Are Christians going to go through the wrath of the tribulation? God never appointed his church for wrath. Matter of fact, Jesus is going to teach us that the church is not going through the tribulation, but we'll get to that. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So he's telling them, look it, you're not appointed to wrath. You didn't miss it. Be sober. Be ready. You're the children of light. But then again in 2 Thessalonians, he says this to them. So let's go to the next group of scriptures, unless I got some more in. Oh, I got some more in 1 Thessalonians. Let's go through 11. Who died for us, Jesus, that is, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether we wake or sleep, we're going to live together with Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen? Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing or doing now. Now, listen to that. How can you comfort somebody if you're telling them, by the way, you're going to go through the great tribulation where no flesh would be saved unless those days are going to be shortened. There'll be no, nothing alive in the oceans. Most of the whole world's population is going to be wiped out. The wrath of God, meteors are hitting the earth. All kinds of craziness is going on. But, by the way, comfort each other with these words. He's saying comfort one another because you're not appointed to wrath. Okay, let's go to the next section of uh, Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And again, I could write, read the whole book of First and Second Thessalonians, but for the sake of time. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, he's saying, okay, concerning when Jesus Christ is coming back, here's what's going to happen. Concerning um, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So there's going to be a gathering together to him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit or word, or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So don't get out, like, did it already come? I mean, I know there's a lot of churches, even people saying it happened in 70 AD. It happened then. It happened before. There's no rapture. There's no such thing, because it's not, that word isn't in the Bible. And they tell you all this stuff. It says right here, don't get shaken by that stuff. As though the day of Christ has come, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So what's going to happen? The Antichrist is going to be revealed before that day comes. So, so people ask me, who's the Antichrist? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Guess what? We're not going to know because of the next few verses. 
Go to the next set of uh, verses here. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits on the throne of, sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do not remember, do you not remember that I was still with you and I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Something's restraining him. Go to the next few verses. So something's restraining the Antichrist being revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. But he, that's a capital H, by the way. Anytime you see a capital H, what does it show? It's either God or Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit. For only he who now restrains will do so until he's, till capital H again, he is taken out of the way. What's going to happen? There's going to be a restraining of the tribulation. There's going to be a restraining of the, this Antichrist spirit that's coming. There's going to be a restraining that's happened during the church age. There's going to come a time when the Holy Spirit is removed and the church is removed and the restrainer is gone. Do you see that? It's capital H. In every, it should be in every scripture, but I don't know if some of the newer translations don't make it capital H. And then the lawless one will be revealed. The Holy Spirit is not going to, I mean, the Antichrist will not be revealed to you or to anyone until the restrainer is taken away. We won't know. I got some ideas. Maybe you guys got some ideas. Maybe it's not going to happen for another 50 years. But the church and the Holy Spirit is going to be taken away. And when that happens, then the Antichrist is revealed. Then he makes a seven-year covenant with, and then the tribulation starts. The, the Antichrist will not be revealed until the Holy Spirit is taken away. Do you see it? It's plain there. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. In the book of Revelation, it's the sharp two-edged sword that comes out of the mouth of Jesus Christ when he comes back that destroys all this nonsense and this rise of this Antichrist and this anti-God thing. So we see that, and he's telling the Thessalonians these things so that they're comforted. Let's go to the next set of scriptures. Jesus now is going to tell us about how, what's happening in the last days, and he's going to tell everybody. Jesus wants us to know, so it's in his word, and he wants us to know these things. And, it, and he's going to say, look, it, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. This is Jesus talking in Luke chapter 17. So Jesus is saying it's going to be like in the days of Noah. What was happening in the days of Noah? They were marrying, giving in marriage. There was commerce going on. They were buying and selling. Things were happening in the days of Noah until the day that the door shut and the flood came. Not one drop of rain got on Noah, but I'm going to tell you, they were buying and selling. Stuff was going on. So people say, should I stop buying and selling? Should I start hoarding things? I'm going to tell you, it didn't get on Noah. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell you, what's going to happen just before he comes back. As it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. So when he comes back, the Son of Man, the days of the Son of Man, when he comes back for his church, they ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. That doesn't start the day of the Lord until... Noah got in the ark until the church is gone. Let's read on in this section of Luke. 
Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, what happened in the days of Lot? Matter of fact, they even tried to take advantage of the angels in the days of Lot. And they ate and they drank and they bought and they sold and they planted and they built. But on the day of Lot, went out of Sodom. What happened? The day that Lot went out of Sodom. Matter of fact, didn't the angels say, we cannot bring judgment until you, Lot, and your family are out of here? Do you really think God's wrath and God's judgment is going to come upon Holy Spirit-filled believers? Well, obviously, Jesus is saying it's not going to happen because he's saying this is how it's going to be. And it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Every eye is going to see him. It says there's going to be a shout in the eastern sky. Jesus Christ is going to come back for his bride. The bridegroom is going to come again for his bride. Let's continue to read in this section of scripture. This is what Jesus says is going to happen. He's going to start telling you about this catching away or this rapture that we call it rapture, but the catching away. He starts to tell us about this. Jesus tells us about the rapture. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down and take them away. Well, aren't you supposed to hoard up stuff and get ready for this tribulation thing? And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? You want to hang on to the things of the world? Remember what happened to Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Let's go on to the next group of verses here. I tell you, in that night, in that night there will be two men in one bed, and the one will be taken and the other one left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. What is that? You, you all know what that is. That's the catching away of the church. Some are going to be taken who are the church, and some are not that say they're the church or that are of the world. This is the, Jesus Christ describing the catching away or the rapture. One will be taken, the other one left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Some type of event is going to happen where Jesus Christ comes and he's pulling away people out of the earth. We know what it is because the scriptures in Thessalonians and other places describe it. Holy Spirit's removed, church is removed, a tribulation period begins on the earth. Do we need to then worry about a tribulation period? No, but let's move on. Let's go on to the next group of verses. Now, here's Jesus going to describe this in another way. He's going to tell us it's like ten virgins. So right away, right after this, he's going to tell you it's like ten virgins. Let me give you a parable of this end times thing. It's like these ten virgins. Now, first of all, virgins in the Bible are always those who have been made pure. We've been made pure by the blood of the Lamb. Virgins are a picture in the New Testament of the church. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps. Their lamps are their ministries. Each one of us have a ministry. Each one of us have a lamp. Each one of us have been given a purpose and a desire to do something for God, a destiny. Every one of you have a lamp. Every Christian, it's not just the pastors or the leaders or every, all have lamps. So every one in the church has a lamp, and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Why? Because the bridegroom was about to come. What's, oh, let's go on. Bridegroom, Jesus Christ, amen? Everybody got that so far? 
Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Jesus is telling us that half the church doesn't get it. That's what he's saying. Those who are foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. What's the oil in the scripture? All through the scripture, who's the oil? The oil is the Holy Spirit. You cannot do ministry without the Holy Spirit. That's called flesh. That's called churchism of man. It's called religiosity. It's called legalism. It's where most of the church is today. They do church. Matter of fact, Leonard Ravenhill said that if the Holy Spirit was removed from the church, 95% of what the church does would go on. What an indictment. Because 95% of the church or 100% of the church should die away if the Holy Spirit has been removed. Because we should not be moving in any other power than the Holy Spirit power. And if there, we are doing things that we can do in the flesh, then we're a social club. Now, five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their lamps, or, or oil in their vessels with their lamps. So they had the oil with them. I'm going to tell you something else, too, as it says later in this verse. I can't sell you my Holy Spirit. You are responsible for the Holy Spirit in you. I can't give you my Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in me, and I can pray for you, and I could, but unless you put yourself on that altar and let the flesh burn up and allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom and you yield to the Holy Spirit, you have as much of the Holy Spirit as you want. We don't need a new Holy Spirit in the church. We've got the Holy Spirit in us already. What we need in the church is repentant people who are willing to put their lives on the fire, on the altar, and begin to burn for God and allow the Holy Spirit to work within them and let the oil of the lamp burn bright. You need to be fires that are on fire for God right now, right now. Come on, he calls those who don't have the fire, don't have the oil for their lamp, foolish. Those who are foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Let's go on to the next group of verses. But while the bridegroom was delayed... Hasn't it been a long time since the bridegroom says, by the way, I'm going to prepare a place for you? Mansions, he calls it in John 14. And guess what? I'm going to come back and receive you myself. I'm going to go and take you to those mansions. So Jesus made this statement that he was going to go into the heavenly realms, prepare mansions for us, and then come back and receive us unto himself. But it's been a long time. Going to be, probably going to be nice mansions. But while the, bride, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, come on, it's a dark time. It's a dark time in the church. It's a dark time for our nation right now. People ask me, what's going to happen? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here shortly. I'll tell you now. Either judgment's coming on this nation, the fire of God's judgment is coming on this nation because you cannot murder babies and you cannot set up homosexuals, and you cannot do the things that you're doing and not have the fire of God's judgment come because our God is a consuming fire, and the wages of sin is death. That will come. Or revival fires are going to come, and people are going to repent and get the oil back in their lamps. Well, the last thing that could happen is he's come. The bridegroom will come, and the rapture will take place. There's only one of those three things that are going to happen to this nation. I'm just telling you right now what I see. It's going to happen very soon. It's going to happen very soon, people. Now, Paul thought that too. 
and so did all the apostles. But I believe, I believe it's happening very, very soon. This could be the September of your lifetime. Let's, let's go on. And at midnight, the cry was heard. Just before the darkest time of the night, the cry was heard. It may be dark. It may be bad. It may be dark in your life. But the cry is going to be heard of the bridegroom coming in your life. And do you have oil in your lamp? That's the key. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. And then those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps. Let's move on to the next verses. And the foolish said to the wise, give me some of your oil, for our lamp is going out. They seemed to have some of the Holy Spirit in them because it seemed like they did have a lamp that was going a little bit, but they weren't allowing the full Holy Spirit to shine through them. And in doing that, their lamps were going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. I can't, I can't give you, I can't give it to you. I wish I could. I wish I could say, Linda, here's all the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That would be so cool. But it doesn't happen that way. You are responsible for your oil in your lamp. But rather those, um, there's not enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. So what he was saying is, hey, you need to get the Holy Spirit yourself. Also, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding. And the door was shut. Let's go on. Afterwards, the other virgins came along saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to them, Surely, I say to you, I do not know you. The word know there is intimacy. It's the same word that Adam knew Eve in a sexual sense, intimacy. Jesus is saying, I was never intimate with you. I never knew you. You were never intimate with me. And because you were not intimate with me, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Again, on this earth we can't anyway. But he also says that we'll know the seasons and the times. I believe that's the end of that section of Scripture. I'm not sure if I have any more. But here's the, the answer for those who say, what do we do? You better get some oil in your lamp. This is the key to everything. Whether he tarries a thousand years or he comes back tomorrow or the rapture is in a few hours, you better have some oil in your lamps. You better be filled with the Holy Spirit. No matter what is going on, the answer to all your questions are get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get that flesh on the altar, let it burn, and get rid of all this worldliness that's kind of kind of on you. Come on, it's the Holy Spirit is the answer to every question. Either the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in your life, and you're going to walk in the power of that, or you're going to walk in the power of this world, and you're going to maybe not make it. All of us have a mission. All of us have a purpose. All of us are either one of those ten virgins. Either you're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit in that vessel, guiding you and bringing the light, or you're not. Either you're going to go, or you're not. And it's not about... Oh, I'm worried that I'm not going to go. That's not the real answer. The real answer is, is do you allow the Holy Spirit to have control over you? That's the real thing. That's what this message is really about. All the stuff that's happening in the world, 
the fourth blood moon coming on September 28th, all the different signs in, in the heavens. Hey, if the stock market was to just crash completely tomorrow, what do we do? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. What if the fourth blood moon, something starts happening? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. The answer is the Holy Spirit in you. That's the answer. Do I have to go buy and sell? Do I got to go get a whole, like, about 40 cases of water because we're going through something coming up? No. Matter of fact, it says in the book of Leviticus that the fire was never allowed to go out on the altar. That's an Old Testament picture of the New Testament reality of who we are. The fire should never go out within you. If you don't have the fuel, the Holy Spirit, the oil, actually you're the, you're the fuel, you're the wood, but if you don't have the oil, you can try to start fires all you want. Matter of fact, Aaron was telling me in the prayer room that, man, he couldn't find any dry wood. The wood was all filled with moisture, all filled with its own self, all filled with all this moisture, so he couldn't get this fire going, this, this bonfire going. But I tell you, when you get filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit, you're ready to be lit up. We need some Christians ready to be lit up. We need some Christians ready to be on fire. The answer to everything is the fire of the Holy Spirit. The reason why people aren't coming into the church in massive droves right now is because there's no fire in the church. Why would the world want what we've got if we don't have the fire of the Holy Spirit? If we're walking in our own flesh and in our own lamp and our own way, we, we're not going to change the world. People will come to see somebody burn. Come on. They will. People, if, we're, if you're burning on fire for God, matter of fact, people saw Moses in his face and it was glowing because he got in the presence of God. You are a glowing fire. What does he say that you are? You are the light of the world. You're to be lit up. And the oil is the Holy Spirit. Man, somebody, <laughs> mm, come on. Revelation 19 talks about this marriage supper that's going to take place. The bridegroom comes. Let me tell you about this marriage supper a little bit. Here's what happens at the marriage supper. Matter of fact, it's a Jewish tradition. Back, it goes back into the Old Testament. Here's what happened is the, the, the fathers, Holy Spirit, show these folks this. The fathers would set up the marriage. Then the one, the bridegroom, would have to go and prepare the home and get things ready for his wife. The bridegroom would then come back, and because it was set up already by the father, The wife wasn't supposed to know the day or hour, but the fathers knew. The father, only the father knows, Jesus says. And he's supposed to try, if he can, not try, but in, the, in this Jewish wedding feast, that actually the, once the father says yes, and the father's got to say yes first, the bridegroom comes for his bride. And he takes her away into that home. And for seven days, they have this huge marriage celebration. Seven days. Think about that. Spiritually speaking, tribulation, seven years. Come on. Someone's going to get it. There's a marriage supper that takes place for seven days. After that, 
they are revealed to the world. Who comes back with Jesus Christ on white horses to rule and reign for a thousand years? Come on. Come on. Do you see the picture? Matter of fact, Jesus even talks about this marriage supper in Revelation chapter 19, and then after that marriage supper, they get, he gets on his white horse, and he comes and he takes care of business down here, cleans up the mess, and for a thousand years he rules and reigns on this earth. That's what's next. The next thing that happened on that prophetic's calendar in the Word of God is the church is going to be called into a marriage supper. And you're the guest of honor. That's what's next. You're not going through the tribulation. The tribulation was never made for the church. The tribulation was the wrath of God on the world. Come on. Well, by the way, bride, I'm going to put my wrath on you first and have wrath before we get married. So I'm going to let my wrath just... But some people, they got this idea. Now, how do we get the Holy Spirit more? Look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. They got together and they were praying for several days in unity. And the Holy Spirit fell, and it fell on them like tongues of fire. So the fire of the Holy Spirit fell on them. One of the ways to get this is to pray and pray in unity. But look what happened to them by the chapter 4 Acts. They had kind of like... Oh, man, we're getting persecuted. Oh, man, they're getting thrown in jail. What are we going to do? They didn't get together and pray and set up a system. They got together and prayed and says, we need more Holy Spirit. And they got in the presence of God. And here's what happened. Great power, great grace fell upon them because they were revived in the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts chapter 4, it was almost like a double anointing of the Holy Spirit came. Come on, how many want some more of the Holy Spirit in their life? It's the same Holy Spirit, but we need to get hungry. We need to be able to take this vessel and put it on the altar and say, I want more. I want more. Because the more that you want really means I want less of me because I've got all of you, and I want you to take over more of me. Really is what it is. You don't get more Holy Spirit, but you allow the Holy Spirit the freedom to move in you. The power in the church is in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not in the power of the flesh. It's not the power of a pastor. It's not the power of a group of people that can do things in their own might. The power in the church is the Holy Spirit. And we've got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is trapped in unbelieving believers and wants out. And he wants to let his light shine in the world. But you've got to make a decision. Are you going to allow him out? Are you going to allow him to shine through you? Are you going to be one of the foolish virgins or are you going to be one of the wise virgins? Virgins, Come on, which word are you? Who, where are you at? Because you can have as much of the Holy Spirit as you want. The choice is yours. God never limited you in the fullness of what he's given you. You only get half of God. Oh, Mike, um, you know, I don't like the color of your hair, so you only get half of God. Orange shirt, orange, orange is not the color of the day. Well, you get half of God. God is not like that. All the hindrances are on our end. 
And the fastest way to get rid of hindrances is get on the altar and burn. That's why in the Old Testament the fire was never to go out. The fire of the Holy Spirit is never to go out within you, but if it has started to wane, if, there, if you have started to lose some of the fire of the Holy Spirit within you, I saw what happened in the book of Acts chapter 4, what they did. And it's written for all of us to see it too. They got together in unity and prayed for more. And great, more great power came. And more and great grace came. God is a God of more than enough. And he's given you more than enough of him. The answer is, is how much do you want? That's the answer that sits before you today. So here's the question about the rapture. Here's the question about what we should do in these end days. Is The answer is this. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, more. We need more. We need more of you and less of us. And the way we get more is because we've got the fullness of you, is to get out of the way. We need to yield. We need to yield. I've got a lot more stuff, but I'm going to start wrapping it up here. Um, we really can't go in the oil of flesh. It's got to be the oil of the Holy Spirit. You know, again, Leonard Ravenhill excuse me, said this. He says, one of these days, somebody's going to take that book, the Word of God, and actually read it under the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to do what it says. And the rest of us are going to be embarrassed. Because in moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to do great and mighty things. The book of Acts and all the things happening, the miracles, the signs and wonders are a result of the moving of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. All of the Holy Spirit in full measure is now among us, right now. And the Jesus in you is in full measure, right now, right now. This isn't some sweet by and by thing that most people try to look like, well, I can't wait to... To get to heaven, yeah, he's forming you. Yeah, he's shaping you. Yeah, you're going to have flesh mistakes and hiccups and stuff. Yeah, you're going to fall down sometimes. But are you going to get back up? Are you going to keep moving in the Holy Spirit? Because that's the answer. God is looking for people who keep the fire burning in their hearts. People that aren't satisfied with where they're at right now. People who want more and allow the Holy Spirit to have more of them. God is a consuming fire. Fire is coming. Fire is coming. Whether you allow that fire to be within you, and you put that log of your flesh on the fire, and it comes that way, or it comes through the judgment of God, come on, this nation really needs one thing. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit and more of Jesus. That's what it needs. Come on. You know, if, if the homosexual agenda, and I love homosexual people, I hate the sin, the, the only way to change it is they get saved. Abortion gets changed when people get saved. All these issues in our nation, you don't legislate them. People get saved and on fire with God, and things change. You know what revival happens? When a revival happens in a church and in an area, bars start shutting down. 
Guess what? The judges are looking for someone to do something to do because people aren't stealing. They're not robbing. They're not hitting and hurting each other because the Spirit of God is moving. You want this nation to change, allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move in you. Here's how it starts. And uh, it was Thursday, but Pastor Brenda, I guess, was studying this. She's down state right now. She said the Haystack Revival. Anybody heard of that before? Here's what happened is there was a bunch of people there outside. They were praying, not a bunch. I think there was five or six. Five or six, maybe. They're praying outside for more of God. They got hungry for this. They wanted more of the Holy Spirit. And just a group of them. They got in this haystack to get out of the rain. But they just kept praying. The rain couldn't stop them from praying. They kept praying. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God came in a mighty way. Guess what happened? It started a spark of revival that spread all across the nation. Not this nation. It was in um, Scotland, Ireland area. And it took the nation and changed things. You know what happened? The things that we were talking about. Judges were looking for things to do. Bars were shut down. People were loving on each other. There was no hate and anger and hurt on people. Come on, there was none of this crud that was going on in the world today. That's what revival is. There's a result of you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you. And the result is, is that the Holy Spirit's light then gets pushed out from you and starts getting on other people. I can't make you take it. But somebody's got to get this going in them. Somebody. I say revival now. As a matter of fact, I say right now today. There's no, why not? Why not right now? Does anybody want more of God right now? Does anybody want real Christianity right now? Does anybody want the fullness of the Holy Spirit to begin to move through them right now? Come on, we've been waiting long enough. It's time to get out of the way. It's time to yield and allow the Holy Spirit's work to begin new and afresh in you. Thank you, Lord. It says in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit expressly says in the later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Holy Spirit fire needs to break that deception. Holy Spirit fire needs to break the deception off this country. Holy Spirit fire needs to Break the deception that's off of me and off of you. Holy Spirit, fire is the answer. Jesus did not die so you could wander aimlessly on this earth or have a better life. Come on. He died on the cross so that you would be brought back into the family of God and a mission and purpose was put on every single one while they're still on this earth. And that mission and purpose, he says, look it, i got to go away. I'm going to come back for you as a bridegroom, but until I do, I got someone who's preparing you and adorning you for that day that's setting you up as the bride. And bride, here's what you need to be doing, allowing that spirit to get on other people because I want as many as I can take with me into the kingdom. I didn't die for just a few. I died for the whole world. And until I come back, I'm giving you something to do, bride, and that's to touch the world in the power of my spirit, allowing my spirit to flow through you, and the world will be changed into my image and glory. And Father God is going to be happy. <laughs> and he will release me to come back and get you. But until I do, you got a job to do. Are you going to put the oil in your lamp or not? 
Mm. Can I have, I don't know if, uh, is Crystal in, out here? Crystal is here, or is she counting? I would like to begin altar ministry. I think we're going to end the message right now. We've got more to say. What's that? Thank you, Lord, as, as we ask. And thank you, Jessica, for coming up. Good to see you. <laughs> um, as we call the ministry worship team forward, do you want more? Do you want more? This is an altar area. Flesh needs to burn on the altar. Fire starts when flesh burns. The oil is the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us can ask for more. And even though you have the full measure, what you're asking for is get out of the way, flesh. I've seen it in places. Brian, I think you guys got it in your house. This picture of a person pulling off the earth suit. And as they're pulling off the earth suit, within them is the, the light, the fire, of the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to put the earth suit on the altar and let it burn. If you want more, come on up to the altar. Let's burn for Christ. Let's burn. Let, let the Holy Spirit anoint you in that oil. So I'm going to call you forward. If you want more, if you want more, now if you don't want more, that's up to you. You may be called one of those foolish virgins. I don't know. I only see you as God sees you. Anointed, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Come on, if you want more, start to cry out. Start to cry out for more. Lord, we just cry out for more. Holy Spirit, come. Let fire begin to just manifest in this place. You see these ones coming forward, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You started a whole revival with five or six people. Look at this, Father. Let your fire of your Holy Spirit begin to touch them right now. More. More. We say fire come. Fire come.